Hello, East Glenville Community Church. This is episode 21 of So, I Have a Question. Uh, we're talking about Pastor Mitch's discussion from uh, Sunday, March 13th, and uh, we were looking at uh, John 15 and about Jesus's, how he transitions from talking about love to pretty much talking about the world's going to hate you. Yes. So. <laughs> what a great, great switch from uh, last week where it was all about love. Yep. Yeah. But, hey, at least we know the expectations. We've got right. to love and everybody else is going to hate us. Yeah. And that's how it goes. Um, but, okay, so you, you kind of, and I really appreciate it, actually, that you started flat out from the gate almost in your discussion, hitting on how there's the difference between persecution and opposition. And yes. that, like, in America, we don't experience the persecution that happens that the rest of the world, or a good portion of the world is experiencing. Right. Um, so I was kind of almost curious, is the, where do you draw the line between the two? Like, is there is there a clear line of, like, this is persecution, or this is opposition, or is it kind of just a... Ew, I, I, I think there's levels of persecution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, persecution generally means it's pushed by the government, or at least you can, I guess you'd sort of have mob persecution as well. Mm. Um, so in other words, if someone disagrees with you, that is opposition, right? That's not persecution. You know, I, I, I've heard people say, well, I'm offended. You, you say that or believe that I'm like, well, they're allowed to have a different view. Them having a different view, them not believing in God Mm -hmm. shouldn't be offensive to you. It should be, might be curious. Oh, like, how did you come to believe that? Right. Um, but so, so one I think very there'd be very few instances of real persecution in the United States. Um, I do think, though, you can get to some where people try to get you fired um, for your faith. Or so it's not not the U.S., but I've I've seen similar. I I follow the intelligent design movement, which believes okay. insists that that Darwinian mechanisms cannot account for life the existence of life and the complexity of life mm-hmm. and they're basically they believe there's some an intelligent designer behind life and so they have stories of people who you know believed in darwin mm-hmm. examine the evidence and now believe in intelligent design and they have been pushed out of their positions or you know um or Maybe they've even warned graduate students that they can't be too vocal about their positions. Mm-hmm. That's getting to the edge of persecution um, on on some of that stuff. So certainly I know we feel like at times the, the world is against us. We can see it and feel it. I think it's better to think of that in terms of opposition than quickly bantering about, oh, how persecuted we are. Because mm-hmm. truthfully, even if we are whining about it, I mean – not to be crass, but whining about it doesn't help. Yeah. Bearing up under it bears a better witness. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Do, I mean, do you have examples where you've seen persecution of of people? Yeah, so, I, so I've so i experienced once, and I actually just thought of one other one. Um, so in high school, me and a couple of friends wanted to start a Christian club. Okay. At, at, like, you know, an act, extracurricular after school. And uh, I think you... 
I forget all the steps, but one of them was that you had to get approval from the principal. And the principal at the time just flat out said no. Like, yeah. absolutely not. Um, which, in, even in hindsight, like, her her reasoning wasn't necessarily a, like, it's because you're a Christian. But she didn't want to open the can of worms of letting any religious or any, you know, any specific of that sort type of group on campus. Right. Or on, on, at the school. And so, uh, so it, we ended up actually getting a lawyer involved and the second, like the second anybody else saw that it was an issue, they were all like, oh, no, like this is fine. Like, yes. And so it, it was okay. like, didn't actually go to court or anything. Um, and, and, you know, to be fair, right after the Christian club got started, I think it was like the next year, an LGBTQ community came in and started a club and they were able to do that because we, you know, allowed the open up the playing field type of thing right so it, it was definitely a like i understand why she was just like let's just cut it but um yeah i i her position makes sense in some ways i have not seen many high schools because they always tend to already have a lot of those groups yeah it's, and sometimes where I, I think it's, it's wrong if they have a lot of groups but the only one they shut right. out is the christians right then something sketchy is going on in my mind. Yeah, and I know that on Long Island, at, especially at the time we were doing it, there was a lot of schools that were pushing against the Christian clubs that weren't okay. trying to form. Because um, we, we worked a lot with Youth for Christ while we were forming it. Um, but I do know that at our high school, like we were the, like, we were the first club. So okay. like, her, her point was valid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that there was a one college professor I had, or not I had, but somebody else had. Um, who would use Christian terminology and thoughts about grace in his syllabus to explain how he ran his class. And okay. at some point somebody was not thought, somebody kind of reported it to up above being like, this is like, you know, pushing their faith on to the students type of a thing. Mm. Um, and so that he, he had to, he was told to tone it down, I think, something like that. Um, okay. And had to be careful as to what he did and said, but I think that was mostly. Those those are the two like main experiences mm-hmm. um, that I can think of. Um, I know that my sisters had people who like, she would befriend them, and then they there was one person in particular where she befriended them. They found out she was like a serious Christian, and then they were just like, "I want nothing to do with you." Okay. Um, but that I haven't experienced that as the norm. Usually, it's more of an indifference, right? Mm. Like, you do you thing. I'm gonna do mine. Just like, don't push your thoughts and beliefs onto me, type of thing. Yeah, I, I feel like the um, the the ideal for the United States that I've heard lifted up that I don't hear as much anymore, is the whole live and let live. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what I hear you saying would be good is that it's – and I, I think I made the case for it. Like I want religious freedom to believe and to worship and to practice my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does mean I have to be willing to let others make different choices and not try to get the government behind right. stopping them. Now – Sometimes on the other people, you know, people don't like being criticized, so they get criticized, whether it's Christians or the other side. Mm-hmm. And then if they're criticized, then they complain they're being persecuted. I'm like, no, you, you're you're just being being criticized. Yeah. So that's not, you know, yeah, kind of goes both ways. Like, 
And that's, I guess, the free marketplace of ideas mm-hmm. is sort of what I would push for. But it it feels more lately that um, the live and let live doesn't always seem to be valued. Would you say that? I think that... I think it depends on who you talk to. Okay. I think that for most people, they kind of just, you know, just leave me alone, let me do my own thing. Okay. Which is another way to say the right. same exact right. idea. But I think that there's people on both extremes. And and okay. my sister said this too. Like there's, you know, she's, she's definitely Gen Z compared to me. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that she says who think that if you're a strong Christian, you're extremely racist, homophobic, and backward thinking. Right. But most of the people who are saying that are also very vocal liberals. Okay. And so, and you know, there's very vocal conservatives. So it's this whole split that we're experiencing in our country where I think what the media portrays is those two vocal extremes. But if you actually talk with the average person, I think that for most mm. people, it it would just be more of an indifferent, it's less hostile. Unless, unless the person has already been hurt by the church or yeah. knows somebody and cares for someone who has been. Yeah. The the most vehemence I tend to see is when someone has been hurt, if not by the church, at least by someone representing the church. Right. And then, you know, sometimes they, they really, it's almost like the, and the anger builds over time. Mm-hmm. And bitterness. And, and Yeah. 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 I think I would, if I was to write a thesis on this topic, I think that instead of choosing, like, if the culture was like with the wind at our backs or if if the culture was for us indifferent or you know hostile i would say more that most of the culture is actually just a wounded animal that the church has hurt and they're lashing out in pain okay so that would be my i think that ignoring kind of the extremes that are sometimes super vocal i think the average person fits more into that category mm. and one thing maybe even sort of clarify sometimes what I think of in terms of you got your individuals and and I hear you that sort of almost what you're describing mm-hmm. different individuals but I guess I'm talking about the 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 pop culture the mm-hmm. That's fair. the um you know when I'm talking about the world it's 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 when you got the government but even more you have Hollywood and TV and I've seen the switch there far more where like you could go back at one point and see the Hollywood movies that upheld biblical standards right. or even, you know, the old Ten Commandments to ones that, I mean, I, I, I remember when it became, I, the change when it started, like they just started more and more couples sleeping together before married. Now, I'm, I'm not even talking showing the sex, mm-hmm. but just like I remember at some point, like they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have portrayed unmarried couples connecting and that and now it's almost impossible to find married couples <laughs> you know it's it's <laughs> you just assume they're going to sleep together in a tv show mm-hmm. and so that that part of thing like to creating how the culture creates what is the expectation for normal mm. and and that change i think the culture used to create an expectation for normal that fit better within biblical christianity yeah you go to church you get married, you have kids, and now the the cultural, the TV shows just don't, they they almost go against that. Yeah, 
I could see, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, but even speaking of that case, I don't think the church has responded well because in my mind, the way that the church handles that sort of topic is just the like, you know, all the, all the church says is don't have sex till marriage instead of actually doing this might, I'm, I'm going to say it. Um, instead of actually doing a sexual education that proves that it shows that sex is a beautiful thing created by God. Okay. And yeah. so instead of, you know, instead of the church being like, actually like, this is why we think this way, the church is just like, no, and doesn't talk about it. Okay. And therefore the only influence, especially teens and younger adults, and even people like me, I've talked about this at length with friends, like the only education that I ever got was through school or the culture. Mm. Like I've never gotten, I, well, change that. I got an education when I was the church I went to in college okay. because they actually talked about it. And you can ask, um, the pastor there, one of the pastors there, Jim, he like him and his wife will say that one of the best ways they love of sharing the gospel is by talking about sex. And, uh, and to me, like I was so uncomfortable and it blew my mind that we were talking about that topic in a church and that like they were encouraging it because it just was not a part of my vocabulary yeah. and understanding of who God was like, Oh yeah, God created us to be sexual beings. We should talk about this. And so I think like, even in some ways, like people can think that the church is backwards because we just refuse to talk about things. Yeah. I have to think about that. Yep. That's fair. Yeah. Cause I can't imagine doing a sermon with all ages, Probably you not. know, right. do you really want to talk about this next to your grandma in worship? But why or... not? See, and that's the, see, I think the, the cultural, okay. I, I think that if we can't talk about it as a whole group with different generations all involved, like then clearly we have too many pet peeves about it. Mm, I'll just have to think about that one. <laughs> You're allowed. No, because yeah. I, and I will say I, I had a real, we had a youth group thing that addressed it mm-hmm. when I was in high school. That was helpful from, I think, a good perspective. Yeah. It was only, you know, a couple of weeks, but, um, yeah. So, I, in fact, I very much remember even some of the discussions I had within that. And it, having done youth ministry, that is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. I'm so, not saying it's easy. Yeah. There you go. I'm just saying I see a hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways, how did we get there from, uh, where we talking about the opposition of the world? Yes. Um, yes. So the, the culture, how the cultural expectations of what is normal no longer nicely fit into yeah. Christian expectations of what is normal. Yeah. So one of the things I really wanted to get across, and I don't feel like I did very well, I didn't have the time to, I, I wanted to say so much, is that, you know, when the, the culture is actually supportive, that actually can be in its own way an oppositional to faithful discipleship mm-hmm. is that um, it, it, it tends to foster nominalism or hypocrisy mm-hmm. in that, um, you know, if you go along with culture while you go to church, well, you only do so because you feel like it's to your benefit to go to church or you go and you make business contacts. And especially if other people have that same attitude, you're not really learning to faithfully grow as a disciple. You're just kind of doing what's expected or what maybe is good for making, you know, networking. Mm -hmm. And, 
And so when the culture is a bit hostile, or at least, you know, you might face some pushback for going to, to church or, you know, following Jesus, you really think it through. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And you're going to encounter other people who are serious about it. And actually, I think it could foster more authentic discipleship. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think even when, like, when the wind is at our backs and the culture matches with the church, then it's very easy to not even just nominalism, but also like to get confused of what is culture and what is biblical. Yes. Um, Because the, you know, the culture has, if we don't admit that the our culture influences how we read and understand the Bible, then we're going to miss things. Right. And so if, if it's too close, then, you know, it's just going to be the like, oh, this is just how everyone acts. Oh, and everyone's a Christian. Yeah. And therefore this is good and God-pleasing when it's really it might not be. Well, Jessica, we're, this one may be a little highfalutin for people or, you know, so, but let, let's, let's get into it because we kind of had a little pre-conversation. <laughs> yes. What do you see as the source for some of the more recent antagonism of the world? I don't know, hostility is too much, but antagonism mm-hmm. towards Christianity. Yeah, I, I really think that a lot of the, a lot of the world, a lot, a lot of individuals have been hurt. Um, by the church, not necessarily even by the church's stances, but by how the church expresses and admits and, you know, the policies that result from those stances. Okay. Um, and I think that, and sometimes it's not even a direct, somebody has been directly hurt, but someone that they love has been directly hurt. Okay. Um, so to me, that's where I think, I think a lot of it is just, the results of our choices as a what you know what the church has um oh what's the word has broadcasted as to who we are type of thing so like kind of and some of it is unfortunately the, the result of what ends up in the media right um because if you don't know a faithful christian well that you have trust with that you can ask difficult questions to and have difficult conversations and you know be okay with ending up on the wrong side or on Uh different sides of a discussion then your only experience with a christian is what's in the media and i think that especially there you get a lot of the extremes of the you know completely conservative and sometimes you know potentially backward thinking Okay. Um, individuals who will not be afraid to say things that can be very offensive. Yeah. So just to kind of clarify it out. Yeah. So I sort of argued in my, my message that, that the one, you know, if you're outside the church, what would you have seen of Christianity? Well, you would have heard a lot about um, the, the sex scandals mm-hmm. in the Catholic church, but also probably other churches and, pastors or clergy that that took advantage of their position Mm -hmm. um for that and so that would have been like whoa what's going on there and then the other thing you would have seen is you could whether you think of the televangelists or more recently just preachers who are just all about the money yeah and who fly jets and dress in exorbitant clothes or whatever and you're like 
So mm-hmm. it would look like Mamie Wild Church is about sex and money. Right. So I made that case. What you're saying, though, is it's actually, at least partially, and maybe added on to that, is is the positions we've taken. And maybe we're taking positions that we're trying to follow from in the, the scriptures mm-hmm. that are different from the world. But the way we've expressed that and argued for those positions has been in and of themselves harmful and bad. It's, it's mm-hmm. so I, I, is it necessarily the positions or is it how we, um, how we communicate about them as more what I hear you're saying. Yeah. And I think that, and I think it's, I agree with both of your stances, both on the, the sex scandals and the, um, televangelism, like the money part of it. But I think two other big categories would include race and, you know, our, how we, how we interact with the homosexual community. Okay. And I think I have one good example. So this is actually um, a friend of mine who I know wrote a book. His name is Gregory Coles, and it's called Single Gay Christian. Um, and it's pretty much a memoir of his journey of, you know, pretty much labeling himself of a single gay Christian. He's, he's one of the, I really, um, his faith to Jesus and his devotion to Jesus has always astounded me. Uh-huh. even before this book was made. And um, so here's one quote from his book. Um, Evangelicals are good at demanding answers from God. Is homosexuality the result of nature or nurture? Is there really such a thing as a gay orientation? Or are the binary categories of gay and straight just cultural inventions? So many of the Christians I know and love are quick to ask these questions and even quicker to believe they found the answers. They always want to prove that gay attractions are non genetic and therefore avoidable and therefore solvable it makes them feel better i think to believe that people don't like me don't have to exist they want to believe that god's solution have all the fairy tale endings and that there's no challenge faith can't straighten out and so i think like that's just one example of how like the way that we approach situations and problems and the way that we discuss them um you know, if we're not willing to admit that sometimes things are gray or that some things aren't always perfectly black and white, uh, then people don't feel like they can have that conversation and just Mm. feel like we've just assumed that we're right, that we're not willing to talk about it, that we're not open-minded and, uh, and therefore they just assume the worst. Yeah. I, I'm struggling with the whole black and white thing because I think there is a sense where truth is is right and black and right to some extent. But can I can I switch it a little bit? Because mm-hmm. one of the books that that dealt with this for me was called Messy Grace. Yeah, and it's more not so much about truth; it's about acknowledging people and all of us are are messy. Mm. And do you make room for messy people within within the church? People who struggle with things. Maybe things you don't struggle with and you think should be easy to overcome, but they have different struggles. Do you, are you quick to shut them out or, or do you make room for messy people? And if you look at Jesus, he made room for messy people in his ministry, the, the tax collector and the prostitute and the sinners. And, Mm -hmm. and so now of course, you know, when it came down to ethical standards, he, Jesus could also be very black and white, mm-hmm. you know, do not, you know, if you divorce your wife, you've committed adultery against her. 
And so that, that's where I'm trying to gain... I guess that's fair. Um, and, and sometimes Christians have been trying to carefully clarify their stances on issues. And then... But in arguing for them, maybe we go beyond the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, we need to be more careful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be... That's a fair way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because Jesus could be, you know direct in his stances but he also like never turned people away like i don't know about that the rich rich young man (laughs) well i actually didn't turn away the the rich man didn't turn himself away right he lets other people make the decision yeah um and and so he could be yeah he could be straightforward but he also knew he also knew when not to be yeah. And I think that's the thing. The church doesn't always know when not to be straightforward and when to start with grace and when to say, like, I'm going to... Because if, you know, if we meet somebody who s- declares that they are a homosexual or are gay, then are we uh-huh. immediately like, you have no place here? Or are we like, I want to introduce you to Jesus and I will let you and Jesus figure out what following yeah. Jesus means for your sexuality. Yeah. And I think that's that's where the church has not done well i would say at least we've struggled i think it depends on (laughs) the church and the individuals that's true maybe everyone's experience is different i will say this i have seen a spate of books and i've read more than a few written by i'd say people who or who deal with same-sex attractions whether Mm -hmm. they call themselves gay or or whatever right but who've decided they want to be faithful disciples of jesus Mm -hmm. and have and and have expressed well some some of them have come out of the gay lifestyle and have made a commitment to Jesus and have changed mm-hmm. and and so i think i think we're learning yes. how better to express it um the problem is there's always going to be loudmouth hotheads <laughs> that the media loves to put on mm-hmm. and I, I haven't heard from them lately it used to be westboro church would have these signs protesting Probably. and and it'd be God hates yeah. gays, basically. Yep. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think and Greg does a lot of that in his memoir. I mean, he literally, you know, walks you through his whole biblical journey of like, I'm going to study the fi- scriptures and whatever Jesus says, I'm going to follow it. Okay. And so he's the same. He's he declared yeah. celibacy, but he even though he has a same sex. Yeah, and and he i'm guessing he it sounds like and others i've heard they've been open to god changing their orientation but but have not gotten that prayerful god has not answered their prayer like right. that yeah the and, honest yeah he, yeah he yes so that's that's something truthfully i think christians maybe my age do have to i think we need to hear i do think we have to struggle through a little mm-hmm. bit because we want the simple answer that right. you said yeah and, and again, what I, I think what the, the book that helped me was the messy grace. Mm-hmm. I just know God loves me even when I'm messy. And so he certainly can love other people. Um, but yeah, so we're probably going long on this. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, this oh. is a great conversation. It, it went, probably went a little different, differently than we would have, um, maybe planned. Did we miss anything? 
I don't... Well, I have tons of thoughts. Yeah. But I, we're not going to get to all of them. I don't right. think we've necessarily missed anything. Um, but, I, but I think that one of... I guess I'll, I'll close with this idea, too, is that one of the... One of the reasons why I think that, you know, as you've kind of explained it, of like approaching people with a messy, assuming a messy grace. Right. And doing something like that and allowing things to not be, to not just, you know, lay down the rules of if you want to be a Christian, you have to do X, Y, Z. It allows people space to be curious. And I think when we allow space to be curious and allow people to ask difficult questions and even like, you know, not just, I've heard a lot from friends who grew up in, like, you know, Christian, um, they went to, like, Christian high schools, too. Okay. Like, they never got the space to look into the other side in a safe, fruitful environment. Gotcha. And when we allow somebody to actually go and explore, as you said, you know, when the culture's not at our back and we allow people, you know, allow people to look at both sides, they can come to a stronger understanding of what is truth. Mm. Um and I think that I think that that's really something that's necessary in the church that mm. we could work hard to develop better. To come back to kind of in that what, what I put I gave two things that call, when you bear witness to the Lord mm-hmm. and said Jesus Jesus ends the thing with you must also bear witness to me. What would you answer like What does it mean to be faithful to bear witness to Jesus then? Yeah. See, for me, I think it looks it looks different for different individuals and where you're okay. situated. Um, like for me, being faithful and bearing witness means that I support. Well, no, I'm not gonna say. I think it. I think it means supporting your local church community. I think okay. that's a given. Um, and then I think it also means trying to portray who Jesus is to others in whatever way is comfortable for you. So so for some people, it is going to be more loud. Um, and okay. it's going to be more direct. And for others, because they're direct, that's just their personality. That's how they communicate. And then for others, it might be more in the background. But as long as when the topic comes up, you're willing to discuss it and you're willing to point back to Jesus. Okay. Um, that's fair. And that's actually pretty close to what I would say. The only word I would quibble with is comfortable. Okay. Because... If you are standing for the name of Jesus, it might not always feel comfortable. That's fair. And and it you know you may feel in the moment like oh my gosh, but can you? Can, I I still go back to what Jesus says. You know if if anyone is ashamed of me mm-hmm. and of 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 my word in this generation, he's like all the evil stuff that's going on, and you're embarrassed to be associated with me. Yeah. And you know. How, I'm certainly going to be embarrassed to be associated with you when I come with the angels. Like, mm-hmm. so I think we do have to be willing to uh, allay ourselves alle- allegiance to the name of Jesus, even if it feels uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I guess more of but, what I was. Thinking. But you're right. We're not necessarily called to, you know, get pushy and right. all that. There's, for our there's faith. not one. There's not one way to do it. Yeah. I guess is what I'm thinking. And so finding finding your way, but also then being willing to you know, do a way that's not your most comfortable, that's completely outside of yeah. your comfort zone is, uh, is needed. So, yeah. Cool. Well, next week, yes. this next sermon, we get into what is the Holy Spirit doing that, that, that's working with us. Mm. Like even in bearing witness, we're not on our own. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, 
another encourager. We have someone who's not only working at work in us, he's also at work in the world. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're headed this coming Sunday. So it, it all kind of flows, flows into nicely. flows together. Cool. We're looking forward to it. All right. Thank you as always. Thanks, Jess.